0: I want to preach. I don't want to belly ache anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I have my weekly belly ache, <laughs> and then we get on with the word because <laughs> that's where the answer is. I I preached a couple weeks ago. Thank you, Lord. Stephan preached last week. I thought it was delightful. Yeah. Did you? If you caught it, you know it was good. If you didn't catch it, it's still there for you to watch. He was vulnerable and uh, and careful with the word, and it was it was refreshing and good. And I hope I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. God spoke to me through it. Yeah, I spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago from Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 11. Comfort, comfort my people. Uh, it starts. And and uh, we're in a time when we need the comforter. Unlike so much of our history as a church, we haven't really needed him. We could comfort, comfort ourselves. <laughs> we had the where, the means and the wherewithal to... Live in comfort, but that is gone. Very quickly, and very efficiently, they, the uh, the powers that be have put us in a place where we need comfort, and so we we have had that comfort from the Lord, if we open ourselves up to Him, as He's always trying to speak to us, and always encouraging us, and He is oh so delightful. Today, I want to pick it up uh, in Isaiah 40, verse 21, and read through to verse 31. And you'll recognize some of this, I'm sure, as we go through it. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing, or presidents to nothing, uh, and makes the rulers of the earth As emptiness, scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely as their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for your promises, Lord. Uh, the year 2020 uh, was a. Does anybody remember that year? <laughs> the year 2020 was a uh, a, a year where um, we, we we were we were inundated with bad news. <laughs> it seemed like there was a a kind of a constant barrage of one month trying to. Uh, outdo the next month <laughs> for for bad news. You know the 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 virus came, and and then uh, the murder hornets and the <laughs> all of the the stuff that was was out there. And then uh, the U.S. government announced that they they had pictures of UFOs. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Just strange. Bad news all the way around. You know? But we get into a place where we get news fatigue. News fatigue, where you just—it's too much. We just can't handle it anymore. And I think—I think that's where we are as a society. As I speak to people, I get—I get the picture, that, and the feeling that um, it has just been too much. I talk to people that are in despair and in anxiety. I talk to people that have not had to have medication for anxiety or uh, or depression, and they're, they're finding that they need some help somewhere. God is saying, comfort, comfort my people. But I have the sense that where our, where we're spending our time is in that place where we get the fatigue, the news mm-hmm. fatigue, that place where... It's just too much, too much for us to bear. Watching all this bad news. There was a time when, when um, we would turn on the news. You know, down down here in Vancouver area, there were I think three stations that you know you'd, you'd sort of get news on. I grew up some of my years in Prince George, and we got one station, and and even that was snowy. <laughs> CBC, <laughs> and, uh, but, but they, they presented it even-handedly I think, as from what I understand even-handed to be. They would put the facts out before you as, as they, they saw them, this is what happened, and you were allowed to make your own decision on what was, what was happening. Now they tell you what you're supposed to think, uh, and you have to fit that into your life somehow. I, I read a person's definition of what journalism was, and, and it, it included none of these things. It was, if you don't present what you see and how that fits into your paradigm you are not a journalist. Now, my understanding of that is that's an opinion piece or an editorial. Journalism should be presenting the facts. Uh, and so I... The problem with an education is that you get to think a little bit and <laughs> question what they're saying. You know. So Walter Cronkite was a, a hero to everybody, and he's a, a long-dead hero at this point. I um, we, we're presented regularly now with conflicting information that leaves us confused and stressed and with no tangible way to respond other than to offer an opinion. You ever think about what's happening there? We are, all of this stuff is coming upon us. And we can't go out and grab our sword and our shield and, and go and kill somebody and feel better about it. You know, like the bad guys are going to die. We, we have no recourse but to offer an opinion. And everybody has to have an opinion. And everybody has to spout their opinion. <laughs> and, and they are conflicting. Well, years ago even before we started the church, and that was dinosaur years, I think, I read a book by uh, Neil Postman. It was called um, uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business. It was written in 1985. And he had a statement in it that I, I made note of. The news elicits from you A variety of opinions about which you can do nothing except to offer them as more news about which you can do nothing." That's a profound statement. It sounds like it's circular, but (laughs) let me read it again. The news elicits from you a variety of opinions about which you can do nothing except to offer Offer them as more news about which you can do nothing. This guy was, was a thinker before the internet was upon us. He was able to see what was happening on a, on a larger scale than most of us take the time to, to think about. And and that had me thinking just a little bit. And about this news fatigue that's happening to, to more and more people. News fatigue that we can do nothing about. And so it just creates more fatigue. One way of dealing with the anxiety is just to turn the TV off or the news off. But I think, and another way uh, is is to just focus on good news. There was an actor that was on the internet for a while, John Krasinski, uh, who um, who who had had some little things he called uh, some good news, and it was <laughs> just didn't deal with any of the bad news. I thought it was fun, but but it didn't last. <laughs> What we need instead is a mindset that puts the current news within the context of eternal perspective, eternal perspective. What is the current news in light of the history of mankind and mankind's future? What, what is it all relating to? And have we gone down this road before? Rather than fret and foment yet another opinion about it all, Isaiah catches it here, <laughs> I think. And has us remember that the only news that really matters is that God, it is God who created the world in which all of this news happens and that he's still at work and will ultimately set everything right. He has a history of that. And we can read it in our word. He has a history of taking the thing that seemed so impossible and dealing away with it in a heartbeat. His suddenlies. (laughs) Isaiah wrote to a people confronted with the reality of exile. They were exiled taken into captivity and taken to a foreign land. People isolated and distanced from home in circumstances that they didn't choose. But yet they were the result of their sinful choices. They had no idea that they were going to have to go into exile, even though they were told by God through his prophets, that they were going to be doing that. He called them to repentance. We don't have anything to repent of. We're just living our lives. Does that sound modern? Sure does to me. Sinful choices may have taken us into this place. In Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 11 that we talked about a couple weeks ago, God announced through the prophet that a return from exile was on the horizon. A new exodus in which God's people would be set free and restored. God himself would dwell with them and he would feed them and protect them as a shepherd feeds and protects his flock. Read Isaiah 40 verses 1 to 11 again. It is, it is so comforting. This is the news that God's people needed to hear. And it's the news that puts all other news into perspective. They, they had a way of catching the news. What, the, what they would do is the, the elders of the people would meet by the city gates. Why do you want to meet by the city gates? Well, that's where the news first hits. People from... That have been out traveling and know what's happening out there. (laughs) They all come in through the city gate. Oh, what do you hear from the land you come from? (laughs) How are the people there? (laughs) And so the news gets disseminated at the city gates. And the elders hear the news. And they let it out to the other people. They are the, the broadcasters of the news. So it's always been there for us, this news thing. And for a long while, the people of Israel were despondent because there was no good news coming. There was nothing coming their way about Jerusalem. Oh, it's in tatters. It is forlorn There's hardly anybody there anymore. They they didn't want to hear that. They wanted to hear good news of what God was doing. And yet there was no news at that time. Until God spoke through his mouthpiece. Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people, he said. So, so very encouraging. God's people needed to hear that news. While we worry about news that forces uh, of nature are threatening to overwhelm us, God reminds us that he is the creator. Now listen to to what he said here. He's the creator who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. (laughs) Have you ever been out on the Pacific Ocean? You get a couple miles out, you can't see land. And it seems like the ocean is so big and so terrible. And who on earth knows what's swimming underneath the boat right now? <laughs> How big its teeth are. He holds it all in the hollow of his hand. How big is a God that can do that? Hallelujah. He holds the waters in the palm of his hand. <laughs> and while the daily news focuses on the intrigue between nations. Will will the president break off ties with Israel? Will he snuggle up in bed with the the Iranians? (laughs) God says, God reminds his people that to him, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales, <laughs> that's in verse 15, they are as nothing before him, they are accounted as less than nothing and emptiness, <laughs> verse 17, he's not concerned about the nations and the, the, the threat of nuclear extinction, <laughs> Like he's seen the future already. But we watch the news and, oh my goodness, what is coming upon us? God knows. And the nice thing is he's willing to share it with us. If we'll but be with him. While the news needs us to be constantly concerned about our material safety and wealth, God reminds his people to be careful That what they worship, uh, of what they worship, and to be mindful of the things over which they fret. These things become idols to human beings. Uh, But they cannot be compared to the surpassing glory of the God who created all things. So we, we must... We must be aware in our situations where our hearts are going. An idol doesn't need to be something that you love with all your heart at all. It just needs to be something (laughs) that has come between you and God. If you fear the news worse than you love God, (laughs) it has become an idol. The news of the day can become an idol. Our lovely little devices can become an idol. <laughs> Anything that comes between us and God can become an idol. And it becomes not an idol as, as a, so much a willful choice, but a series of little choices. A series of small choices of putting the word of God off for a moment while I catch up on what is important. Let me me get to you later, God, because I know you'll always be there, eternal God and all that. And the news is fleeting, so I must catch it now. Little choices that take us away from the Almighty and from what really is important. And it's those little choices that that become idols (laughs) and and are something between us and our God. It wasn't like we went out to to, uh, Walmart and went to the idol department. Oh, I want a new one of those. (laughs) Bring your your idol home like Laban did. He had a kitchen idol. (laughs) We don't do that anymore because we're way more sophisticated than that. Our idols don't come from Walmart so much as from the Apple Store or the Samsung. (laughs) Uh, Am I starting to bellyache again? I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. The glory and character of God provides us with the best news that we could possibly hear. Catch what he says to us. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood From the foundations of the earth, he says to us in this scriptures that we're reading. As the creator God, the one who sits above the circle of the earth and rules over it, uh, the nature and human-caused calamities that dominate the news cycle these days are not news to God. Now, that may come as a shock to you, but he already knew it was going to be happening. What? How could he, and how could he have allowed it? (laughs) You haven't seen the end of the story. It's like one of those murder mysteries, and you think, will they ever catch the murderer? (laughs) Those dolts, why can't they see the clues? (laughs) Why can't we see the clues? That God is amazing, and God is doing something wonderful. And we just need to turn our attention to him. (laughs) Those rulers and newsmakers who crown our screens today are as nothing to God, who sees them like they are withered plants that are here today and gone tomorrow. Verses 23 and 24. No one who makes the news will ever be God's equal. He is the only one that creates them all. Verses 25 and 26. These are powerful reminders for the people of God who, like Israel, often get caught in the news of the day and begin to despair, or worse, begin to get sucked in to the world's idolatry, which is fear and intrigue, the intrigue of it all, what will be happening, what's going to come forth next, can we wait for this thing, oh, (laughs) like just step back just a moment, and look at what God is doing, it looks like he is doing nothing. But it also looks like nothing is really happening. <laughs> but keep your ear to God, because He is doing something. Fear and intrigue is out there. It is it's like candy to us. We, we so, it does us absolutely no good but yet we are we live our lives in fear and wondering what's going to happen next the intrigue of it all the resultant news fatigue makes us believe that our plight is hidden from god do you feel that way sometimes i have found myself thinking he's just forgotten <laughs> he's busy Or he's off doing something wonderful. But I feel like he's missing us for some reason. And yet I know he hasn't. We have not been disregarded by God at all. That's when God comes shouting through once again with the news that should dominate the attention of all God's people regardless of their circumstances. He says again, he says it twice, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Verse 28. It repeats verse 12, which is a way of telling us that it's important. He he only repeats himself when he wants to make sure that we pay attention to what he's saying. Nothing escapes his notice, and he will allow nothing to defeat the purposes for his good creation. No matter how bad the news seems to be, God's purposes will will win out. God's purposes will win out. And that's the reason that God himself does not suffer news fatigue. Yay! God has never had one day of news fatigue. It's amazing, I think. He does not faint or grow weary, it says. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Not only does God know the long view of his purposes in history, he offers power and strength to those that feel the fatigue of bad news in the present. Human beings tend to busy themselves trying to either come up with solutions to every problem or offering their opinions to those who should be doing something to fix them. I'm definitely guilty of that. I have opinions on what they should be doing, how they should run my country, how poorly I think they're running my country right now, and how much better job I could do. Thank you very much. <laughs> I am not. That's the, that's the issue, and I am grateful to God for that. But that's the place they leave us in. All we have is our opinions. And we, we, we feel absolutely useless and yet, unless we can utter them. And that's because we're looking sideways. And not looking up. He is where we should be looking to. I had, I had come across this note that I'd made. Some time ago, and I wanted to. So many are leaving the church world because of the hypocrisy and mean spiritedness of Christians that has been put on full display recently. For many, attending church has become more damaging than healing and transformative. There is a term that was coined in 2011 that explains what so many are experiencing right now, and it's called religious trauma syndrome. The term is becoming popular with psychotherapists, counselors, and others who work with people who are recovering from the harmful effects of negative church experience and religious indoctrination. And, and it is getting big out there, and that makes me sad. Because we're, we're not looking to him. We're looking to the people. Church let me down. Church, I was hurt by church. You were hurt by people. There, without people, there is no church. The honest, the honest answer is that you were not looking at God. Yeah. After people leave churches where they have suffered abuse and and abuse is uh uh defined very broadly they often have to recover from feelings of unworthiness and shame. Some feel anger, grief, guilt and anxiety. Many are rethinking what they've been told about Christianity, the Bible, And what it means to be the follower of Christ. The deconstruction process can be painful and often isolating. And that is out there. And. This is a personal opinion. And I do not mean to be prophetic here. But have you ever been around an ex-smoker. Who. Who comes within a whiff of smoke? They are violent. They, they, they'll go. Say, Put that out right now. That's not good for you. And you, I think that much of the 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 attack against the church is going to be coming from ex-church people, right. not from the devil. <laughs> It's going to be coming from our brothers and sisters. We've seen it. And I can see the future. Uh, and I'm tired of being able to see the future. As I've been, you know, we've been a year at this thing. And, and I, I was saying that a year ago, this isn't going to just be for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Get ready. Because <laughs> there's a bigger plan at process here. If we trust only in ourselves, then we're bound to experience the fatigue and despair when we fail or to reach the end of our ability. The energy and idealism of youth, this is is a quote from uh, verse 30, um, can lead to disappointment and exhaustion when the reality sets in that we cannot fix the news no matter how hard we try. Rather than fret, fix state, or forego the news, Isaiah invites us to deal with our fatigue in light of a larger reality. The Creator God has once again declared to his people instead of waiting out oh, here How long have we I, uh, guilty i 'm not pointing fingers it's <laughs> How long are we waiting for something to happen? When will will the, the other shoe drop? When will the promise of the election fraud and all of that stuff be exposed? And we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And we get no satisfaction from our waiting. But... Here's the hook. If we wait upon the Lord, we shall renew our strength. We shall mount up with wings as eagles. We shall run and not be weary. We shall walk and not faint. Waiting on the Lord has results that satisfy. Waiting on the news will make you cry. I'm going to go into beatbox in a little bit. <laughs> God is where the answer is. And if we wait upon him, we will not be disappointed. He will share with us things that, that only he knows. And he will encourage our hearts regularly He will take us to to places we can only dream of. Not like the news. They're nightmarish. (laughs) They threaten us with terrible things. But God does not. Don't wait for the news. Wait for God. What if, now your phones will tell you how long you've been on them that day. You can actually, there's a place there. I avoid it. (laughs) But there's a place that will tell you how long you've been on there. What if you've spent the same time waiting on God that you do (laughs) waiting on the screen? What if you were actually doing something proactive (laughs) toward your future? rather than waiting in fear and anxiety? What if we didn't just wake up in the morning and grab our phones or our electronic devices to see what the news is? Instead, we grabbed our Bibles and said, Lord, this is your day. Your mercies are new this morning, and I am so glad. And get the good news from God rather than the bad news from the world. What if we did that? I think it's proactive. But then I'm a paid professional and I'm <laughs> I need to do these things. But I think it's the answer for us all. I do. I think that news fatigue and the uh, church trauma all have an answer. That answer is... Spending time with God. That seems to be my, <laughs> my my life story, is trying to find different ways and different avenues to encourage people to be with God. <laughs> different, different terminology, different stories, but it's all about God. I won't help you to be a better parent unless... God tells you what to do. I won't help you to be a better worker unless God tells you how you can be a better worker. It's all about Jesus. And unless we get that, I think we're going to be sorely disappointed. Sorely disappointed. The cure for news fatigue, in other words, is to begin with good news first. And that way you have a filter to process everything that you hear through your day. A paradigm is a is a filter through which we see the world. And as our paradigms become eroded by the Constant barrage of news bad news we need to build up our paradigm, our foundation about God understand that we are not indoctrinated into this, we're invited into the doctrine of God and there's a huge difference between those two things, I think <laughs> so would you join me? in spending time with Him, in looking to Him right away in the morning. He is the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above Him there is no other. (laughs) Jesus is the way. I thought I heard angels singing that earlier. (laughs) You want to say something?
1: Six feet. I just felt so um, touched in my gut. I felt, I felt this thing inside of me, and I, you know, I was asking myself, as our pastor has been talking about, you know, the the fatigue and the and the, even the need to know the news, and and I and I just asked myself, well, what, why do I? Why do I especially want to listen to Tucker on Fox News? I like Tucker because he seems to vent what I want to vent I, I knew it, I knew it no personal know. endorsements
0: <laughs> no but I,
1: but but I thought, you know what but what is it? Because there is something now that i 've noticed with myself that I, well I want to know, I want to check, not necessarily first thing in the morning because I spend my time with the Lord, but but it'll get in there. And I realized, while you, were, while you were talking about it, I thought, okay, it is a control measure. It's like I want to look and see if there are any sharks around my boat so that now I can take some time, you know, and I can breathe. But if I see the shark, maybe I can do something about it. And it's like there is, there is some sort of, control that or something that you just want to be on top of it before it bites you. You know, you want to know that this thing is coming. But looking at the scripture and seeing the bigness of God and how you were talking about that, I just, I, I just thought that, you know, it would be a good thing to repent of the, the, um, the need to know the need to know and the need to be able to say, you know, that you know, because you just don't want something to pounce on you. And so, if it's okay with you, I want to uh, say a prayer of repentance. If that's okay to do that, yep. And um, and um, you know, and if you want, you just bow your head and just pray with me, because I feel like it is so vital. That we get a hold of this now, because you said it's little decisions to having a full- on idol that is disgusting and and scary for the church and and also before we just pray, um, it was really coming to me about the Jesus talked about the seed that's sown and how it falls on in a rocky place and or or it falls you know on the side and And how those seeds don't take root, and then they quickly go. And that's what's happening in the church. And so we are responsible for our portion of land and for what God wants to do with us. And so, Father, we bow before you. Your greatness is beyond our understanding, our imaginations. We can't even imagine. We can't imagine. You holding the waters in the hollow of your hand. I can't even fathom how great you are. Why, Lord, would we get so caught up in the natural when we have the supernatural all around us when you've given us that and more? You give us your, you gave us your spirit that dwells in us, and we as if as if we should ever fear anything but you. And your word says, don't fear who can kill the body, but fear the one who can cast both body and soul into hell. Lord, I I confess that I have wanted to know almost like it would somehow safeguard me, and it's a lie. And I confess that, and I ask you to forgive me for it. Yes, Lord. And anybody else who is feeling that, Lord, forgive us for having to know and having to um, protect ourselves. It's laughable. And so, Lord, instead, Lord, if we're going to go on a fast, maybe we need to fast some of that information, that, that important information, most of which are lies that we are being fed regularly. So, Lord, I, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that dwells in us that you would quicken us to make right decisions. Yes. Firm decisions. Yes, Lord. Lord, that you, all, you give us a will. I'm asking, Lord, that you strengthen us as your word has said it would do. You strengthen us, Lord. Cause a boldness, not just to tell people about you, but a boldness to do what we know is the right thing. And Lord, we know you're going to do amazing things through us, especially when we spend our time with you, just feeding on your word and understanding and worshiping you. You're so worth it. And we always yes. feel so much better. So Father, yes. would you just remove The burden. You said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. No doubt the news fatigue has what has been burdening us so much. And so, Lord, we do say, let us take your yoke upon us, Lord, and your burden. Forgive us for trying to fix something we can't fix. Yes. We love you, Lord. We do. We commit our time in the morning to you. Commit our days to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well done. Thank you. Well, you have something? Okay.
2: Put it there. It's really building on what Pastor Christine has said previously in the word and what she just prayed now. It's from Proverbs chapter 1. And uh, in uh, around verse 20, it starts about the call of wisdom. And Pastor Randy also spoke about the gates of the city. It says, wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the opening of the gates In the city, she speaks her words. So it's like there's this competition between what wisdom or the Lord would say and what the news would say. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. And then there's a, a... Fairly long section where he says, because I've called and you refused, I stretched out my hand. And it's, it's like all, of, all the ways he's tried to get our hearts and our attention. And, he, and we've just ignored it. But at the very end, he says, um, for the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely yeah. and will be secure without fear of evil.
0: <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> there is the answer. <laughs> Thank you for being with us today. Um, hear from God, spend your time with him, and be blessed. We encourage you that if you're uh, having trouble in your addiction to God, (laughs) come on out and see us at 6 tonight. Uh, The doors will be locked at 20 after 6 because this is a support group. We're trying to teach you how to be on time. Uh, So uh, come on out, be with us, but be encouraged today. God loves you and he has a good plan for your life. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.